Are you sure you're ready? Let's do this thing. Oh, jeez. Ready, set, go. All right. <laughs> I'm going to be upbeat on this podcast. Somebody has to be. For a minute. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is me, my parents, and Liam Neeson, where we threw the script out the window where this movie should have been. Well, wait a second. <laughs> we This is an unscripted podcast. Don't give the people false hopes that we've actually written things down ahead of time, because we never do that. I look things up on Wikipedia yeah. ahead of time. Okay, but you are... Tell them your name. I'm Dan. I'm Carrie. I'm Patrick. And we've started to run low on the list of movies, so I'm uh, digging the depths of IMDb to make sure we don't miss anything before we watch our final selection, which those of you who have been keeping track will know which movie we've been avoiding, but we won't say it necessarily. Mm-hmm. I, there's a couple that we can't find anywhere. Right. Well, uh, that's because I don't think they were... More than one? One, one, for one sure. called The Innocent, back from the 80s. Not yeah. the Anthony Hopkins movie, but the Liam Neeson movie, and I don't think that one ever made it onto DVD. VHS. I, say, I attempted to find that one on VHS as well. Uh, I've also attempted to find that one through questionably legal means and couldn't find it there either. We, so, we were not going to do that. We definitely would not do that to you, you nope. uh, studio audience. Uh, nope. But... While digging around, I ran into this movie. It's called Husbands and Wives from 1992. Yeah. And it's a Woody Allen movie. And I've never seen a Woody Allen movie before now. Oh. Lucky you. Sorry. Lucky me. And <laughs> We're I, older, so we And have. when I informed Mom and Dad that Woody Allen, this was a comedy movie, they were surprised. Yeah. And when I told them further that Woody Allen is a comedian... They were further surprised. Yeah. When I told them that he is widely considered one of the best stand-up comedians of all time, they thought I was reading something wrong. I did. I, 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 so I, allow me to regale you, instead of this movie, <laughs> the story of Woody Allen. I don't know. I want to talk about, no. I want to talk about Al Pacino some more. But yeah, yeah, Al Pacino not was not in this movie. <laughs> Woody Allen has the most nominations from the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, with 16. Wow. He does? He has four Academy Awards, one for director and three for screenplay. Wow. Okay, what did he get for screenplay? Uh, Awards and nominations. He got something for Annie Hall. Uh, Yep, Annie Hall. Uh, He has screenwriting for Annie Hall, Hannah and Her Sisters, and Midnight in Paris. Huh. He won Best Director for Annie Hall. Yeah. Wow. Annie Hall, Hannah and Her Sisters, and Midnight in Paris were nominated for Best Picture. Huh. Huh. Only ever went to the 2002 Oscars. Yeah. For which he received a standing ovation for appearing. For just showing up. Yes, he did not win that year. He did not win or anything or get nominated that year. Um, he's done a lot. Critic Roger Ebert describes Ellen as a treasure of the cinema. Huh. However, that's not why we're here today. We're here because he also was in this film with Mia Farrow. Uh huh, uh huh. Who he met in 1979 and started seeing in 1980. Never married. Right. Over the course of 10 years, she was in 13 of his films. Mm-hmm. Ending with husbands and wives. How appropriate. Huh. They tried to have a child together in 84. Alan agreed to this on the understanding that he need not be involved in the child's care. Because he's an ass. I'm sorry. It didn't work. And she adopted. Alan was not involved in the adoption. But when the child arrived, he assumed a parental role. Uh, also, they did not live together. They stayed in separate apartments on opposite sides of Central Park. Uh, in 87, Pharaoh gave birth to their son, Satchel. 
who later changed his name to Ronan, because I assume being named Satchel probably got him made fun of at school. In 91, Pharaoh wanted to adopt again. Uh, Alan would not object as long as she would agree to his adoption of her other kids. Uh, in 1977, Mia Farrow and Andre, Andre Previn, former husband, mm-hmm. adopted Sunyi Previn from Seoul. Uh, doing stuff, doing stuff. Uh, in January 1992, Farrow found photos of Previn in Alan's home. Photos of the kind that you don't want right. to see. Yeah, right. Uh, Alan, then 56, told Pharaoh that he had taken the photos the day before, approximately two weeks after he first had sex with her. Great. Uh, lawyers happened. Yeah. Uh, in an interview, he said, I am not Sunyi's father or stepfather. I've never even lived with Mia. I've never in my entire life slept in her apartment. And I never even used to go over there until my children came along seven years ago. In August 17th, 1992, Alan issued a statement saying he was in love with her. Previn. The daughter of the woman that he was seeing. They were married in 1997. They have adopted two kids. They are currently together. You know what? 1992 was when the allegations also happened with the sexual assault with Woody Allen. It makes me say, no wonder this movie was so strange. This movie... Seems autobiographical. After seeing this on Wikipedia seemed a little strange with the timing and everything. And the words that he was having Mia Farrow say. And... Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Other people in this movie. Right. It just, it seemed somewhat autobiographical. Yeah. I uh, Sidney Pollack, who yeah. is Jack, mm-hmm. often more known as a director. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, of Tootsie. Yes. Or mm-hmm. Michael Clayton, more recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in things here and there, but he's right. more of a director. He's got two Oscars for. Uh, nominee, nominee. He won for Best Picture in Out of Africa and Best Director, same year. Hmm. So, he's done some stuff, and he, I mean, he's probably in the mindset of when Woody Allen calls you up, you say yes. Yeah. Or he's worked with him before. Uh, Judy Davis, who uh, was playing opposite of Sidney Pollack, uh, was nominated for two Academy Awards. One for this film. Ew. And I did she, not think I didn't think she was that convincing. And she's been in some things, but she worked a lot with Woody Allen. Huh. And the most interesting person in this film, besides the people we've already talked about, yeah. and in fact, probably over some of the people we've talked about, is Jeffrey Kurland. Yeah. Who you will recognize in this film as nobody. He's the voice of the interview guy. Oh sure. That 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 I said sounded like a has has no. High school. Yes. Documentary uh, kid. Yep. Yeah, he's been in two movies. Okay. He's been in this movie and three years later, Mighty Aphrodite as Oedipus. However, he is a costume designer. Okay. For things like Inception, oh, Dunkirk, wow. Aaron Brockovich, Radio Days, The new Newest Mission Impossible, The New Ghostbusters... Uh, Tomorrowland, The Dictator, huh. Law Abiding Citizen, Nims Island, The Nancy Drew Movie in 2007, huh. Ocean's Eleven from 2001. Wow. This guy's a good costume designer. He certainly has good credits. Don't know how he made it from being in a couple of movies to costume designer. Oh, he was the costume... No, oh, he, he was he, probably a costume designer first. On this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, he was a costume designer first. His first... Costume designer credit is 1981 for The Fan. 
Uh, oh, he costume designed for Woody Allen because he also did the Purple Rose of Cairo mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Hannah and her sisters. But no, he's done a lot of good stuff. Ah, oh, Revenge of the Nerds too. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, those are the people what are in this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Which means, for unfortunately, that. we have to start talking about the movie. I am the the person in this trio. I am the person who's usually not on her telephone looking things up. And you're looking but things up. We we. We just scowled and and had worried faces on during this entire film because it was not entertaining. No, and, it really wasn't. And I've been looking up it, movie reviews. I, looked, I, I can't believe that Woody Allen is one of the top ten comics in, of all time in America. That just I, I've never thought he was funny. The, the list. Ever. The list I was looking at, I uh, was criticized because the people on it did not seem to have uh, the credentials to be making such a list. Oh, sure. Uh, well, didn't... I just saw a, a you know a YouTube video that's it's titled Woody Allen's marriage has officially gone beyond just creepy. I'm not going to click <laughs> on it and open yeah. that up, but the list I found listed Richard Pryor as first and George Carlin as second, which I think is totally fine. I think those guys are both very good at stand up. Yeah, so. I guess I've never seen Woody Allen do stand up. so Neither have I. I have no idea. I don't know. We might have to just watch. Maybe that. he's funnier than you think. Alright, so Maybe Having never seen a Woody Allen movie And not knowing what to expect The style of the film Very quickly became clear As to how the movie Is going to be presented Because we're not more than a minute Or two into it And there's four characters talking over each other And the and the Filming was uh, As if a, It was a home movie as it, it was as if a high school as if it were a documentary. Well, like a high school documentary, and done with with handheld cameras without motion control. Correct. I... So it made you feel sick to your stomach while yeah. these four people are talking, talking and arguing. over each other and arguing. Yeah. Yeah. this would be Carlo Di Palma, he's, Italian cinematographer. He's probably really great at it. Yeah. I... When Woody Allen calls, you say yes. He, he's worked with Woody Allen before. Mm-hmm. He won a silver ribbon for best cinematography four times, uh, as well as the outstanding European mm-hmm. achievement in world cinema in 2003. Okay, I feel cultured that we watch this movie, but that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I did not enjoy this film. People don't spend the $4 to watch it. Yeah. Uh, as someone who's taken a whole one screenwriting class, mm-hmm. but... I mean, I'm not, I'm by no means an expert. I don't understand how you would go about writing a scene in which characters are talking over each other so much and get it to come out properly. Even if the director, writer, director and writer is actively in the scene, I don't know how you would go about getting four people to properly talk over each other in a coherent way. That is crazy to me. They workshopped it a lot. They had to. I don't know how they could have done it. I don't know how you could have been in the same room as Mia Farrow that long. Because you're... Or she with him. You're, you're talking... They were talking over one another, and and yet... I think the message they were trying to get communicated worked. Every bit of dialogue that, that had to be heard was said alone. Yeah. And then it would go back to covering over each other, covering each other, over each other. But you would always tell in which direction it was going and whether people were okay or not okay with the conversation mm-hmm. and then one person's bit of dialogue would crack through and it was the important part it was the conversation turning and then they go back to talking over each other again it's i understand from that aspect how he's critically acclaimed because getting that across is difficult 
And good job to him. Golf mm-hmm. clap. Gold star on your refrigerator. But but don't make me watch it again. Other than that, <laughs> please, please. The, the writing proficiency and d- directing aside, the movie starts with two people who are presumably well married meet two people that say they are breaking up and the married couple is not okay with their friends having made a mature decision to split. And that's, what, the first four or five minutes of the movie? At least. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And and that that's the whole plot of the movie. The, the plot of the movie is the two people that have split up realizing through agonizing, heartbreaking, hurtful, insulting context that they shouldn't have broken up. So then they get back together. While the people who they the movie started in the first four minutes as being happily married do not make it past minute five before they start to not be happily married. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a slow burn. It's a very slow to burn. To break up by the end. Did I feel like any character deserved the time given to, on screen, the words written for them, or my appreciation as someone who gave them literally zero dollars because you paid for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I felt like I didn't have a connection with any character at any time. No. There was I, there was nothing in this movie for me that connected me to the film, made me care about the characters, other than I was going to do this yeah. podcast with Dan. Yeah. And, yeah, and sometimes you watch movies where it's impossible to relate to characters because of the setting. For instance, mm-hmm. Superman movies. You don't relate with the main characters of Superman movies because they're Superman and he's got different problems than us. Right. And also Superman is But usually, he's also fighting bad guys. Yeah, he's also usually poorly written and very hard to empathize mm-hmm. with on a human level, but that's a problem with DC Comics in general. This movie was normal people who drink a lot and let me say, looking left and right and seeing the wine in your hands, mirroring the wine in their hands was a little interesting. It took a lot of wine to get through this film, Dan. <laughs> These That's were honest. normal people for which it was possible to relate with. It, it should have it been. It should have been possible mm-hmm. and... Maybe that's the way people were in the 90s? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I don't know. I, in my opinion, all of the characters' relationships were completely messed up. Yeah. No one in this movie had a good relationship either at the beginning or and the I think end. Even the couple that got back together, their relationship was screwed up. It was. There was a lot of subtext at the end that they were both settling. Yeah, right, right. Well, but but just all of the weird, quirky relationship things that went on throughout the movie, ju- that it just made me frown. Yeah. I, I couldn't comprehend. Like, quirky relationship drama, I don't think is what this movie needed. I do not think it needed, like, uh, 27 Dresses or 10 Things I Hate About You or things like that mm-hmm. where it's quirky relationship humor. I don't think that's what this movie needed. I don't know what this movie needed. You, I don't know. I, the zero to Neeson on this one. We can go back to just something happy to talk well, about. Like thirty minutes. Yeah, it was quite a ways Probably in. Probably about that. Yeah, uh, or maybe even more. Could have been forty. Yeah. Liam Neeson is a Mr. Michael something. We don't know his last name. They say his last name once. Oh, but it stops being important quickly after. Right. Uh, and he is an editor that works for the magazine company that Mia Farrow's character works at. And she sets up 
her friend that her newly single her friend. newly single friend with awful makeup with Liam Neeson with Liam Neeson and Liam Neeson sees her for about oh no telephone we're gonna keep talking you're gonna go yeah she's just gonna go discontinue the phone call she he sees her for about two seconds and has decided that she is the love of his life and they're going to get married and she has decided that she likes being single and the concept of not being beholden to someone but being desired I think is what she wants she doesn't want to be had she wants to be wanted or something I don't know it was lost on me and <laughs> yeah at I, that at that point Liam Neeson was the only character that I thought could have redeeming qualities yeah then he goes to her house she got the house in the divorce I don't know how that happened I'm not sure they were ever really divorced whatever She's but, living at their big house. Yeah. And he comes over, and she's had Too four, much to drink. four margaritas. And then she starts offering up wine. And she and has a We are very thinking logically, this is, like, she's going to be throwing up yeah. soon. And then <laughs> Liam Neeson decides that it is time for his contractually obligated Liam Neeson sexy times. Yeah. And she is not having it. And he goes, I'm sorry. And he's talked about, like... I'm someone that needs to be married, and I'm thinking it's time. He's putting all of his yeah. cards on the table. And she goes to sit down and on the couch, and he's like, All right, cool. Well, you weren't okay 30 seconds ago. What happens if I just How lean over now? and I start trying to devour your tongue now? And she continues to not be okay with it. But that was the point where I had checked out of his character, too, of... Well, one by one, we yeah. really quit caring about each character. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps... Woody Allen has a non-affair with a college student. I and don't know. is both happy with her and upset that she's calling out the very movie that she's in. Sexist undertones and terrible attitudes <laughs> towards casual affairs. It's very weird <laughs> that she's critiquing a novel that the character... That Woody Allen's character is writing... And what she's critiquing is very similar to the script that she is currently acting in. This whole... The movie was just weird. Which is bad writing, Woody Allen. You're good at writing. You should know better than this. You cannot look at the camera and say, Who wrote this crap? Because it was you. You were the one who wrote it. And by the end of the movie... We were all... We have completely ruined Liam Neeson's character because he has been a jerk to everyone yeah then he gets together with mia farrow they're married they're, they get married woody allen is single and moved into a hotel which he's afforded for a year and a half somehow he the, teaches at columbia the broken up couple are together and don't in see, bed do not seem to like it no i think they just seem like it's just a regular they're just, saturday they're just there and the Whatever. college student is nowhere to be seen we don't know. She was named after the hurricane she was born in or something like that. We don't know. Her name is Rain, and she likes the rain because she was born in a hurricane. I don't know. I thought that was somebody else. <laughs> sure. I don't know. This, she likes storms. Ugh. I don't know if I can call this one the worst movie. No. No, because there's no. still that well, one that well, no, no, no. be named. So we can't do that. That one is in a different category because yeah. that is a... this. That one was distasteful and bad. How about we go with right. unsuccessful? This movie? Is this the most unsuccessful movie we've seen? Because this movie calls itself a romantic comedy drama. 
Was it romantic? No. Funny or no. dramatic? No. Okay. Mm, is no. this the most unsuccessful movie? Because I still contend that Excalibur is extremely bad, <laughs> and we should go watch it again. We should make other people watch that stupid movie. That was actually a fun movie to watch. That movie's main character was a sword, and that sword didn't talk. It was just the only connecting thread throughout the movie. <laughs> But at least that one was, was one fun of those to watch. Movies where they just skipped around from scene to scene, like kind of like this one, kind of like this yeah. one. Let's do this. It's... Okay, now we're done with that scene. Let's do this scene. Yeah, that because it will be fun. I think that actually happens a lot with movies that skip around a lot. Mm-hmm. People think that they're not as good because they don't know how to keep you attached to a story. Right. If we weren't doing this podcast, I would. We would not never. Have, we would never have watched this movie. I would have even after paying four dollars. We would have shut it off after five minutes. Probably, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Said, forget it. We just threw four dollars yeah. down the toilet. Yeah. The yeah. only reason I think I told you to keep watching this is because I looked up the plot on Wikipedia <laughs> to see how relevant Liam Neeson's character was. Right. And unfortunately, he was relevant, so we had to keep watching. So the parameter. There's one point where I thought he could have been in a fist fight with another man, but it wasn't even close. And that guy was drunk. And he was drunk, and Liam Neeson would have destroyed him. Yeah, this is one of those point fives. That's not you even know, a no, point five. No, we can't fives. do point five. We can't even give no, this a it's point a five. Zero. This one's it's easy. a zero. This one's an easy zero. I, okay. Let's go zero. We don't want the point fives because no, that messes up the math. That makes it too the hard. One scene, the one scene we're talking about, by the way, is kind of near the end where we've got. Liam Neeson is in he is just single been lady's in bed. house with single lady. Single lady, and then single man comes back drunk because he's just had a screaming fight with his twenty-year-old astrology blonde aerobics, lady, instructor. aerobics instructor that he's been seeing, and he's just now so realizing bad. that she is devoid of redeeming qualities that aren't a ch- attached to her chest, and he's come over drunk to complain. And left this blonde woman in the car to wait for him. Because he's a dick. So the single people are arguing, and Liam Neeson's like, hey, what's going on? And he's, you're sleeping with someone in my bed? It's not your bed. And, you know, we're doing the Woody Allen talking over each other thing. And then, ding dong, here comes the blonde lady, and she's upset. And the single people are upset. And Liam Neeson has gone upstairs and put on a shirt so he's not naked in front of these strangers. And he comes down the stairs, and the camera pans to him, and he looks back and forth like he's not sure why he accepted the role. <laughs> that was a very good description. <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm doing this job. Because Woody Allen called. Woody Allen called, yeah. and he got picked. And he I probably needed the work or something. Well, it was '92. It was it was before he got in his big business. I have to add a yeah. But still, you have to add a line to the spreadsheet because. But still, this is new. That's, that's not much in the. There is no peril here. Mm-hmm. The only okay, peril is to that. you, the viewer, for watching this <laughs> for film, for having viewed this film. That's it. If you're if you're a big Woody Allen fan, maybe you love it and you'd send, you send us hate mail. If you really like Woody Allen, I imagine this is this is probably okay. His style, you so love it, is and historically. It being the last yeah. film he did with Mia Farrow would probably be very important. Uh, we should note that it I would say it bothered me how little music was in this movie. Yeah, yeah. There was music with the opening credits and the ending credits, which were very old school. 
I think the credits were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but this, this but is ninety-two. Credits are more can be more interesting in that. But 90s. Woody Allen's movies are always dialogue heavy. Yeah, always. So they are, and at least in my experience. Not now, that I've watched a lot of them. But. I've seen other filmmakers that have movies that are primarily dialogue focused that don't make me feel like I need to have a PhD to understand them. Mm-hmm. Like Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, they're a little zany, but they're definitely not about the action. Those are definitely about the characters and the dialogue. But I can grok Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This makes me feel like I'm too stupid to get it. Because everyone... Because Roger Ebert says that Woody Allen is a treasure of cinema. And I've watched this movie, and I'm wondering why he thought that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We are, are we all? Yeah. It's... I feel dumb for having watched this movie, and that insults me. <laughs> well, Roger Ebert is dead, and he's insulting me from beyond the grave. <laughs> well, we're just gonna have to take that. All right, tune in next week, where maybe we found more movies to watch. Maybe we haven't. We will have at least one more. We'll have at least two more. At least two. That's at least two, two more. Yeah, okay. yeah, we've been saving two. We've been saving two. Okay, okay. bye. Bye.